Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly. All you have to do is place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they're offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. Located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I am joined by Nick Horwat here, and we have what I believe is going to be a very special show to me. I'm not sure many of our listeners agree. I would imagine most of them actually will. But we have a show today where we're going to talk about the Hall of Famer, the great one, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be in hockey broadcasting, at least in my opinion, and that's Mike Lang. Retiring after 46 years with the Pittsburgh Penguins, we will talk all things Mike Lang, and that will be the main story of this show. We're also going to have a little game about structuring the Malkin Latang and Brian Rust extensions. That's going to be pretty fun, but the bulk majority of this show is going to be about Mike Lang, so let's get into it just right away. Horwat, when you saw that Mike Lang officially retired for good, what is the first thought that went through your head? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think it was more of, because it's been so long. I mean, you said 46 years. I think it was more of a feeling of, you know, yeah, it was bound to happen within the next uh, year or two. I think when, you know, COVID started, it may have even been, hey, maybe it's going to happen now. And, you know, he managed to get through, you know, partially, I guess, that last season. Mm -hmm. um, did what he could. And, you know, if you, you could hear it in his voice, he was getting a little older. You could hear in his voice things were starting to, not decline, but, I mean, you can tell when someone's, you know, past their prime and a little older, not to say there's a prime for him or that he was past it mm -hmm. but how old was he how old is he uh i don't know his exact age let me yeah. look that up real but, quick. And, i'm not sure why i don't have that but there and this is not saying that he is bad in any way shape or form this is just more of a yeah this was something we all knew was coming and i wasn't totally surprised by it i guess is my take on it i wasn't totally shocked mm -hmm. it is sad regardless um but you know it's 
it sucks to see someone go down in retirement especially but you know we all knew this day was coming and I think the fact that we were all expecting it at some point or another is why it's not so much of a shock to us mm-hmm. yeah I was I was surprised not gonna lie on, on Monday whenever the news did come through but at the same time you did kind of see it mm-hmm. coming a couple of years back Mike Lang stopped doing road games because he, he couldn't travel because of his health he is 73 years old at this point he took most of last season off because of the COVID concerns and not wanting to catch COVID and because he does have some health issues so it's not all that surprising but at the same time it's just somebody that has meant so much I know to me personally and to a lot of Penguins fans across the Pittsburgh area all of Western Pennsylvania all of Pennsylvania and really across the world he was one of the pillars of this franchise before Mario Lemieux and if you saw all of the notes and all of the tweets from Josh Yoey and Rob Rossi and Dijon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports about what he meant to this team before Lemieux. You just realize, I wish I was here to see that, to see a broadcaster really bring the interest in a hockey team, but that's what he was. So clearly he meant a lot to the city of Pittsburgh. And congratulations to him on a fantastic career because it was a fantastic career. But it's still, it's a tough one to swallow losing Mike Lang for good this year, and also the fact that we lost Doc Emmerich last year. And you would expect Mike Lang might do some voiceovers here and there, but it's just not going to be the same without him up in the radio booth with his iconic headset on. Yeah, no, things won't be the same. And um, he'll be missed, obviously. It's, it'll, it'll just be a transition. You mentioned Mike Lang. You mentioned, you know, Doc Emmerich. It's, it's a new wave of guys we got to get used to, whether we like them or not. You know, I think... Yeah, and there's nothing against Josh Getzel because he is fantastic yeah. at his job, but he's not the I legend. I think I was more or less talking about the national guys because everyone loves to hate yeah. national announcers, i.e. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, uh, mm-hmm. Paul, uh, Pierre, but we don't got to worry about him. Only Ottawa does. They had <laughs> enough to worry about. They didn't need that on their plate. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it'll be different. It'll be a new phase of everything, I guess, for... Um, hockey media especially in Pittsburgh so mm-hmm. you know legendary career without a doubt he'll be missed I'm sure we'll hear his voice every now and again for some voiceover stuff but it won't be the same you know yeah Mike Lang's career spanned like we said over 46 years he was on television for basically the beginning of television up until like 2005 2006 whenever he was moved over to the radio side at that point, him and the old two-niner, Phil Bork, grew great rapport on the radio side of things, and he became the play-by-play announcer for strictly the Penguins radio network and still gave us some of his most iconic lines, slap me silly Sydney, make me a milkshake Malkin, all those things. That is also our Penn's poll, so if you want to go vote on our Penn's poll, what's your favorite Mike Langism? go do that at Iceberg Podcast. But after so many years... In radio and television, the Penguins honored Mike Lang by making the 700 level of PPG Paints Arena the Mike Lang media level. And that was an awesome day, an awesome moment. And also seeing him have a bobblehead night and just all of the outpouring of love for the great, the Hall of Famer in Mike Lang is amazing. Especially because, and we'll both obviously touch on what he means to us personally, but he is the reason that I'm talking today. 
He is the reason that I, I went to school for broadcasting. He's the reason that I always had dreams of becoming the play-by-play -play announcer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I always dreamed that when he retired, I'd be taking up the mantle right after him. Uh, not going to lie, I, I am excited to watch Steve Mears and Josh Getzoff do exactly that. I know Mearsy took out after Steigerwald, who had the job for a little while, but realistically, both Mearsy, who's a friend of the show, and Getzoff are they're still filling those shoes, and I know that they know it's not going to be an easy thing to do, and they seem very gracious to take over it. So I'm excited to see what those guys do, but as far as Mike Lang's concerned, just growing up listening to him, there'd be times when I wouldn't even have the audio on for the hockey game. I would be listening on the radio and watching it on mute on television. He's just so good at creating a picture of what's going on, and it's just so much fun to go back and listen to any of the highlights, and realistically, if you didn't get a chance to, try to find a full game and just listen to it. Don't watch it, just listen to it and realize how good he was at just creating a picture in your head of everything that's going on. He knew the game through and through. He was an amazing person. He was an amazing broadcaster, and we're forever going to miss hearing him in the booth. The only regret that I have is the last play he ever called was Tristan Jari's turnover in game five of that playoff series. But you know what? The last couple of years, it's not like everything can be storybook. Whenever they allowed, or not allowed, whenever they had his bobblehead night and everything that happened with that night, they only scored one goal and he wasn't even up in the booth to call it. So not everything can be picture perfect, but most of Mike Lang's career was. So congratulations to him. He means a lot to me, and obviously I know he means a lot to you, so I'll give you a couple minutes to speak on that as well. Sometimes you just got to go out on your back, you know, that's that's all that is. <laughs> I mean, plus the Penguins have a knack for just inviting people to games and then just absolutely butchering it. I mean, never forget Andrew WK coming to celebrate the goal song party hard, and then we get shut out. Um, I guess that was a little worse than the time we invited uh, the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels to a playoff game and we lost in overtime. <laughs> um, so we need to stop inviting people to games for specific reasons. I digress there, though. Um, yeah, Mike, I let you usually – we've talked about Mike Lang on this show many a times, and I usually yes. let you take the floor on most of it because uh, he is the reason why you're here talking today. Not necessarily the reason why I'm here. I got into journalism a way different way. I think I was just given free tickets to a concert one day and was told to write about it, <laughs> and things just stuck. But uh, regardless, I think – more or less, everyone knows what Mike Lang meant to uh, the city, the team, and the game of hockey, especially in the area. I think I, you can't think of too many other teams that would have this in-depth of a conversation about their radio announcer. Buffalo, maybe, because what's-his-name there is also um, has been around a long time and is pretty iconic. I just can't. Vin Scully for the Dodgers oh, yeah. is definitely the one that comes to Transcending mind. Transcending sports too. Vin Scully's a big one. Um, Myron Cope for a while. When I watched that that video that um, the Penguins put out, um, basically Mike Lang announcing his retirement. Uh, he mentioned when he got here. You know he he was among the likes of Bob Prince, Myron Cope, and uh, someone else I can't remember the name of now. But those are two iconic Pittsburgh announcers. Mike Lang was able to ingrain himself as one of them. I mean, we talk all the time about Mount Rushmore of Pittsburgh sports or, you know, Steelers Mount Rushmore or Penguins Mount Rushmore or Pirates. So be, 
Pittsburgh isn't blessed enough to have a Mount Rushmore of game callers, really. Mm-hmm. Mike Lang, Myron Cope, Bob Prince, and for what it's worth, I can't think of a fourth. Bill Hillgrove, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Hillgrove, or, or maybe you can throw Pompey I know he's not done yet, but. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of, because yeah, Greg Brown, as cool of a guy as he is, he's not up there. I was just trying to think of all the sports. Um, and I can't remember who's done pit basketball or football. I think that's kind of where I got Hillgrove from. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's um, – Pittsburgh's been blessed to have great players, great teams, as well as great uh, announcers. So it's great stuff. He meant so much to the city. I think that's usually my big takeaway is how much he added to um, the sport of hockey in this, uh, in this area because it wasn't just mm-hmm. – uh, you know, Mario, Sid, it was also Mike Lang before before them and during them. I mean, those are guys, Those are the guys that see every game. They call every game. Every highlight you see of Mario Lemieux most likely has somewhere, in somewhere in the depths of something, has a Mike Lang goal call attached to it. Yeah, it's not even in the depths. Usually it's the mm-hmm. call. He has voiced many, if not every single one of Mario Lemieux's not only just greatest moments, but every one of his moments. And it's amazing that he's been able to kind of narrate the careers of two absolute legends. And that's not even to talk about Yarmir Yager, Evgeny Malkin, or, or even Marc-Andre Fleury. But he's voiced all, if not most, of the Lemieux and Sidney Crosby moments, which is absolutely outstanding and absolutely stunning to imagine over 46 years him getting the call the careers of two of those gentlemen. But... There's a couple things I do want to, want to talk about really quickly before we move on from Mike Lang. First and foremost, I know Pittsburgh Clothing Company does a fantastic job. But if there can be a way, I know it's going to be hard to get a design that looks good. But if there's a way that they can create a t-shirt with almost every single Mike Lang is on there. With all of them. like You know, they he, they make the shirts. Word cloud. They don't make the shirts, but people make the shirts where it's the Stanley Cup with every yeah, like player. Yeah, it's like a word cloud. That's kind of what you're looking for. Yeah, something like that. I would, you would have all of my money. I would be buying it in every single color that you have in stock. Um, get uh, Take a trip down the Strip District in about a week. I guarantee you'll see a couple. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. There might be one or a couple down in the Strip District. But the last kind of question I want to ask is, do you think Mike Lang's name, in some capacity, will be up in the Raptors at some point? I know that they named the 700 level after him already, which is a huge honor and probably something that meant the world to him, and it, it seems like it has, but do you think his name goes up in the Raptors at all? I'm trying to remember what places have done that. I know there's a couple. Mm-hmm. I would assume so. I think they would do something cool like that. It's just a question of what exactly you can do. You know, I know yeah. um, the Penguins as an organization in more recent years have become a little more liberal with who they want to, you know, have numbers retired with. I, if you would have asked me this before, um, they would have really came, came out and say we're going to try and retire Yager and, um, like, those whole conversations happen. I probably would have said something like, no. They have the they have the level named after them. They're probably gonna leave it at that somehow, and maybe a memorial somewhere. Um, but since they become a little more liberal with hanging things from the rafters, I think it's very well possible. I mm-hmm. don't exactly know what it could be, because it's always something different whenever it's not a player. 
Um, but I think that's very well possible that could be interesting. What do you think would be on it? I would say you put his iconic headset on. Okay, it. that's a good one. Because that is, it, it, there's not, I, mean, I know it was commonplace when he started, but he's basically used the same headset for pretty much, at, at least the same style headset for pretty much his entire career. I would think that that would end up being the something that he has on there. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to, to see. It'll be fun. Or just his name. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a, I, a logo or an Yeah, image. I'm trying to think of what else what else has been done. I want to say, don't quote me on this because that could be way off. I want to say the Kings retired like a microphone on a banner for mm-hmm. someone. I think Somebody did. I just can't remember who it was. Yeah, I always think about like <laughs> the Islanders. I think they have the funniest ones because they have Al Arbor, which is well-deserved because it's 1,500. I think it's like the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's how many games you won. But then there's also the Billy Joel banner they have, which is, which I think is like however many times he sold out Nassau, and they have to keep changing it. Um, well, I mean, now it's not going to make a difference because they're in Belmont. I'm wondering what happens to that banner. Uh, Just going to stay in Nassau. I was say, what are they doing with Nassau? I, I, they I just revamped it. I'm Nassau. assuming they're not tearing it down yet. No, it's probably just going to be a concert venue. Just Billy Joel's. It's he's he's going to have a, uh, a what's it called there. <laughs> he bu- like he just lives there. He just buys it and lives there. Turns it into it's his like mansion. what they do in Vegas. What's that called? A uh, residency. Yeah, he's going to have a residency there. <laughs> Basically, already does. The, you know, the also side note. I I thought of this a long time ago. The Islanders are ruining Billy Joel for me every year. Okay, <laughs> they are. Just because you have to relive that building, is that why? No, because they use Billy Joel songs whenever they win, <laughs> and like their fans yeah, yeah, do. That's fair. Because he's the pride of Long Island. Thank you, Dave Bacchetti. <laughs> it's my old roommate. For those of you wondering, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I I personally think that Mike Lang is gonna have his name retired. I was a hundred percent sure until they named the seven hundred level that's after fair. him. Then I was like, uh, you know, that is a, a huge honor. To bestow upon somebody and i think that's a really cool and really classy way to have him immortalized in pittsburgh but i also think that he meant a little bit more to pittsburgh than that too i think he meant enough that you put a banner up there because it is a person that helped keep hockey in pittsburgh and obviously the penguins are very grateful for the three names that the four names that really did that and that was mario lemieux yarmir yager for his time Sidney crosby and mike lang so, obviously, I think all four of those names need to be in the Raptors. And obviously, I think Evgeny Malkin's name will join up there at some point. Possibly, you know, once we get into Latang and Flurry, we already had a, we already had an episode on that. So, go back and find that one. But I think Mike Lang's name should still, still end up in the, in the Raptors. It might be a little bit of bias just because of how much he meant to me personally in my personal life. But I think what he's done for Pittsburgh and what you've seen in an outpouring of love over social media – I think it's pretty obvious how much he's meant to everybody in the city of Pittsburgh, and, and it would be an amazing sight to see his name go up in the rafters. Forever. Well, what does um, retiring numbers and hanging banners like that do? More than just, obviously, no one can use that number anymore. It teaches future generations about the past, about the history of your team. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a kid, I can remember asking who briere was who was this 21 and why did he only play a year learning that story mm-hmm. as a kid growing up as a pirate fan you see you know honest wagner roberto clemente uh ralph kiner is up there i'm trying to remember some of the old ones mm-hmm. like the really old ones willie stargell mm-hmm. you see those names up there in retirement and you're like well who are these people like 
what's the story there? And it in, it teaches the younger and the future generations about the history of the team and why it's important. Well, again, uh, a, the le- the media level is a way of doing that. It's not the same because I'll, I'll be honest, I forget that that's a thing quite often because it's not visible to everyone. It's kind of you got to be there. You have to know the story from before mm. and you kind of have to understand what it is whereas you know in a few years we might not really have that discussion anymore of it's the Mike Lang media level new kids like new younger generations will come in not know that's a thing if but if there's a banner there there's something visible for everyone to see in the arena mm-hmm. that discussion gets yeah. opened up it's hey dad who is Mike Lang or you know why is his name up there and then you teach them about the history of it and it opens things up it's a new it's that's how you do it it's how you teach the history yeah. of everything in sports yeah yeah it's, a, it's interesting it's a fun way of doing it and i think that's why a lot of um non-players get their names retired like that mm-hmm. well congratulations one last time to mike lang i'm sure it's not the last time that we discuss the hall of famer i'm sure it's not the last time that we will even talk about some of his iconic sayings because on monday's episode we will be talking about his iconic sayings, because that is our current Pens poll. Like I said, if you want to have your voice heard, let us know what your favorite Mike Langism is. Go vote on that poll at our Twitter page, at Iceberg Podcast. Or if you don't have a Twitter page and you have our phone numbers, text us. Send us a message on Facebook, at the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. Send us a message on Instagram, at Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. Let us know, what is your favorite Mike Langism? Because although he might have retired, I don't think Elvis will ever truly have left the building. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Malkin, Latang, and Rust extensions. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Horwat, I'm sorry I cut you off before we went to break. What, was there something you wanted to say? Nope. Okay, well, that's fine because we are getting ready to put on our GM hats, I should have wore a tie for this, or at least one that isn't completely Dream tied like Brian yeah. Burke. And we're going to talk about the structure of Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and Brian Rust extensions. Before Ron Hextall left at the end of free agency, during his press conference, he said, we're going to work on the extensions of Malkin, Latang, and Rust in August. As we sit here recording it, it is August 10th. As this episode is airing, it is August 12th. And as of right now, we have no news on any extensions for the three of those. So we're going to play a little game of basically higher or lower, over, under. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to start with their pay rate, their average annual value. And let's start with Evgeny Malkin. Currently, Malkin makes $9.5 million against the salary cap he has for several years now. He is 35 years old at this point in time. He will be 36 years old when his next contract is set to begin. Horwat. Pay raise or pay cut for Evgeny Malkin? Um, hold on. Before I answer that, do we know what's going on with the salary cap yet? Uh, it's, as of right now, rumored to go up a million dollars next year. Oh! <laughs> His whole new yeah. big TV deal we got in a million dollars. All right. Um, really shows you how far behind the eight ball they got from the COVID pandemic. Uh, okay, so I would say pay raise in a normal year. Because, you know, new, new TV deal. There should be a ton of money going into the salary cap, right? Apparently not. But 
ugh, it's hard because we also ha are going to have a ton of UFAs, and that's what I do when we have discussions like this. I galaxy brain, and I look at more than just, you know, Malkin being up. I see that Kapanen is an RFA and is probably going to get a little bit of a bump. Uh, Jeff Carter will be off the books. That's good. Aston Reese will be a UFA. That'll be a whole other discussion. So I think, I think a so you also don't want to get. I said this before too. The the Ovechkin contract is going to play a hand in this. Ovechkin signed for nine five for five years. Mm -hmm. Personally, I don't. Th I'm sure you'll ask this later. I don't think Malkin's getting five. Let's start there. I don't think he needs five. But nine five. I want to say just the same. Is that can that be an answer? Just the same. You think he's gonna come back with the same contract? I don't think he will. I would like him to. I think he might get a pay cut though, because you know I'm gonna say he gets a pay cut, not much of one, but a slight one, because mm -hmm. um, Sidney Crosby has really ingrained this sense of take a little bit less money, you'll get it somewhere, um, to have the ability to build a good team. He's really dug that into the brains of Malkin and Latang, I think, and that's important so i believe he takes a slight pay cut not more than a million really something small he's still going to get paid a lot because he is still a guinea malk and he can't still demand that mm -hmm. and if they're trying to get the you know the contracts done now rather than seeing how he performs in this upcoming season i'd say he's well deserving of at least not eight five to nine Okay. Yeah. I would say he gets he, he has a pay cut because I, I know what you said about Ovechkin, and yes, the Ovechkin contract will have a hand in that. I mean, Ovechkin took a pay cut by $38,000. That's it. Went from 9.538 to 9.5 for five years. And the only other thing about that is, and we'll talk about the years, is Alex Ovechkin has one of the most important historical records that he's chasing. He's got an Evgeny Malkin is chasing a fourth Stanley Cup. Yeah. And and some personal accolades like his thousandth game, which he should hit in the next year or two. Um, possibly passing Yarmir Yager for second or third most on most all-time Penguins lists. He should be able to do that within the next couple of years. He's pretty close to those numbers already. But as far as pay, Evgeny Malkin making 9.5 right now, he's always made more than, than Sidney Crosby. And... That's probably not going to change too, too much. I think he takes a pay cut, especially because he's he's going to be 36 years old, which is hard to pay, you know, a 36-year-old in any right. I know Evgeny Malkin is no ordinary 36-year-old, but if you're making this extension right now in August of 2021, he's coming off of knee surgery at the age of 36. He had elbow surgery last offseason, which wasn't even a full calendar a year ago. He did not have a great year. Didn't come to, to camp in shape for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I know COVID was an issue with that. But that still, that still rubs me the wrong way a little bit. And you're right. With the salary cap world we're in right now, the Penguins are only getting $1 million more of cap space. Now, it's weird because Ron Hextall has kind of left the door open next offseason with a lot of contracts set to expire. But I don't think Evgeny Malkin makes 9.5. I think Evgeny Malkin... What would be ideal to me is if Malkin would go down to 6.5 to 7. 
Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. Because Malkin has always been a very proud hockey player. That's why he goes out last in the tunnel instead of Sidney Crosby. That's why he does get paid a little bit more than Sidney Crosby on that second contract. Do I think he's still that proud? Not to a fault. But I still think he's very... He's a Hall of Fame player, and he knows his worth, and he knows what his worth is on this team. And his agent's going to play into that as well. So do I think that he's going to get the cut down to 6.5 to $7 million? No. Do I think that that would be ideal for the team? Yes. I think he does take a pay cut. It's probably around $8 million, though. Like he, he, he makes $8 million, Probably opens up a million and a half, and the Penguins will be able to use that to maybe throw towards somebody else we're about to talk about or, or maybe just add another player for league minimum. But he's probably going to take a pay cut. Overall. Yeah, and that's about where I sat, too. About $8 million, million and a half off. I don't know how many years. That's the hard one. Um, but, yeah, that's about I totally agree with you. agreeing with you. Let's move on to Chris Letang. Chris Letang currently makes $7.25 million against the salary cap in annual hour, eh, average annual value. Wow, I can't speak. But he is also going to be 34 years old going into this season, 35 years old once that contract hits. Horwat, pay raise or pay cut for Chris Letang at 7.25? You know what? I think this one's a little bit more of a question mark. I think if... Again, we're having this conversation before this next season comes up. I think he might get a small pay raise, though, because he had a very, very good um, last season. Uh, this, again, won't be a super long contract, I feel like. Uh, maybe just a couple of years to maybe match. Uh, maybe just to match Crosby's length, so we kind of have real discussions in a couple of years. Uh, but I'd say it's a slight pay raise. Also because it doesn't help you're playing on the same team as Mike Matheson, who is vastly inferior, making way more money than he should be. So, you know, Latang's agent agent could kind of hold on to that. Say, hey, this this Mike Matheson guy, clearly not as good, making way more money. Um, figure that one out. Then there's Chris Latang, who is way better making seven two five. He doesn't get much of a pay raise, but I bet he goes to about eight million eight five as well. Yeah, that would make sense, definitely. I, I think Chris Letang doesn't if he takes a pay raise, it might be to seven point five to me. I don't see him taking a pay raise in particular because you know, if you would have asked me before last season, I would say there's no way in hell that he gets a pay raise because of the way that his game was declining, and there's still going to be a sharp decline somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know where it's going to be, but the way he plays, the health issues he's had, there's got to be a, a decline in performance at some point here. Last year, we thought it was it was going to be last year because in January, both him and Malkin looked absolutely atrocious. Awful. And then Chris Letang turned it around and put together probably one of his best seasons of the last couple of years. And he was pretty good. Some people even thought he should have gotten Norris votes. But I still don't see him making more than 7.25. I think he's somebody else that gets a pay cut. Not by much. Maybe a $5 million contract. I, I think two years, $5 million for Chris Letang services at the age of 35 and the age of 36. I see that being a pretty fair contract. I'm not sure how his agents or he would look at that. But... 
regardless, these two guys, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, these should be their final contracts. You would think so, yeah. You you would imagine, unless they're like, we'll bring you back for one year, these should be their final contracts, and that's what they're probably looking for. Those contracts that say, hey, you're going to finish your career in Pittsburgh, and this is what's going to make that happen. That's probably what they're looking for, and I would imagine that's what Ron Hextall does, but at the same time, I haven't seen him negotiate too many contracts. Not yet, at least. And you know what? I do want to change my answer. I think he might take a pay cut, because now that I'm kind of thinking about it, um, a lot of older players these days that are signing new deals, they're not signing big ones because of namesake anymore. They really are yeah. getting a lot of... The league really is getting a lot of contracts signed um, through skill level, which is the way it should be. So I'm going to change my answer. I don't know exactly what the number could be, but since the NHL's trend for older players, at least, is... Um, signing you know a number based on skill level and not uh name recognition which is good so uh what did you say the number would be like five or five and a half six because i can agree with that yeah i would say probably around five million uh yeah i would let me yank on my wires a little more we're all flustered today everybody (laughs) um yeah, I would agree with that. I like that idea. Uh, yeah, I just I do want to change my answer to a pickup because the league trend has been um, cutting guys of money based on their play. So that's my final answer after a little bit of a a little bit of an edit. Yeah. Next, we're lastly we're going to talk about Brian Rust pay rate right now. He's getting paid three point five million dollars, which is widely considered a bargain deal for the Pittsburgh Penguins for a guy that. Pretty much threatened to be a 30-goal scorer, definitely if it was a full 82 season, 82-game season, excuse me. Brian Rust would have probably been a 30-goal scorer the past two seasons. Right now, he's at the age of 29. His new contract would set to begin when he is 30 years old. First of all, I did not know Brian Rust was already 30 years old. Second of all, with the way that he has been playing and with his trajectory right now, I don't think there's a way that you get him for anything less than $5 million. There's really not. There's really not. It sucks because you want to try and keep him around for a low number, but he's it, it the, the UFA option also doesn't help because Brian mm-hmm. Russ is a player that, I mean, I'm sure there would be some GMs out there that are willing to throw just an entire, just to back the Brinks truck up to his house, you know? Yeah. Give him the blank check. Now we don't exact this. It's good that we're getting this, getting him, especially Brian Rust, out of the way now. Like that, that is an ideal situation where um, we sign him to a new contract this year. You got it handled. You don't have to worry about the other teams giving him the call. Whereas with players like Malkin and Latang, again, yeah, if they were to hit free agency, other teams would be making the call. But it's it's kind of when Ovechkin was gonna be was up for free agency it's is there really an option of him going somewhere else like yeah someone could call but they're the you know the agents aren't going to answer the phone just simple as that whereas rust he's younger he doesn't have the exact same pedigree uh, as uh malcolm letang you know with this team so Mm -hmm. it's good to get this one out of the way now if you do it now you could probably get him for a discount the one he might be worth again we might be able to strike gold and get him on another not exactly a cheap deal but something lower so 
I'm giving he's I'm looking at Jason Zucker, he's making five five. Goodness, do you think he makes six like Gensel? I think there's an opportunity that he does. I, I don't think Brian Russ is quite the caliber of player of Jake Gensel, because Gensel I think can can do basically everything Russ can do with a little bit more when it comes to creating opportunities, but Brian Rust is an integral part of this team. Now, another reason why he's not going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, good good of the team, whereas Malkin Latang might be a little bit more lenient to that, is Brian Rust hasn't made the money that Malkin and Latang have so far in his yeah. career. He's still, this is his big deal. This is his chance for a really good deal to come out there and be like, all right, you know what? To set myself up for my career, I want six years, six million dollars. That might be that might be the number, that might be the term. But for him, this is his big deal. That's why it is gonna be huge if Ron Hexall can sign that deal before Russ goes out and possibly puts up 30 goals for the first time in his career. Because that is a very distinct possibility for Brian Russ this year. So yeah, obviously pay raise, it's pretty easy. Whether or not it's more than Jake Gensel is a different discussion because I think Gensel's the better player. Gensel is the younger player. But Brian Rust, he has earned the right to be in that conversation. And I think it does hurt you that Jason Zucker is sitting on the team at $5.5 million because Rust can look at Zucker and say, listen, Zucker's great and all. I'm much better than that guy. At least this past season, yeah. Yeah, and that's what the agents do because it is an ugly business. And these guys are probably friends, but he's going to look at them and say, I'm better than that guy. I deserve more money than that guy. And that's why he's going to probably make that argument when it comes to contract talks. And I think if... Ron Hextall can get that deal done and get a favorable deal done. Not only can you get Brian Rust back for cheaper than you probably would if he went out and had a great season, but you get a deal that means more when they trade market. Yeah, you do it now, so it's set. I think. Yeah. I don't. If he makes equal to or less than. Uh, Gensel, you got a good deal. I, the term thing, yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. That's general manager speak that we don't understand. If he makes six or lower, you've got a good deal on your hands. If he makes over that, you got to really hope he can do that. He can play like that because we're in this this cap of not moving, and you know if if we were a, a different organization. I bet we're having discussions of him making more than six million dollars, but we're in we, but we're fans of the Pittsburgh Penguins, where we watched the greatest player in the world play for eight million damn dollars, and then we see McDavid come along and make twelve, mm. and you figure, you know, luckily Sid's contract isn't up, or I, I mean. Not that he would take more, but you'd figure... You just wonder. Yeah, you're like, what would those rumors be? Like, what could those yeah. rumors be? Like, Sid's going to make 13, 14, 15? Not saying he's $3 million better yeah, than McDavid at the time, but... I'm also not saying McDavid is a good fourth liner better than Sidney Crosby. Right. <laughs> or a good third liner better than Sidney Crosby with $4 million. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, you have to remember... Remember when Taylor Hall was going to go into free agency? Yeah. The there were legitimate rumors that he would become the highest-paid player in the NHL. Clearly not the case anymore. He signed a, mm -hmm. a weird deal with Buffalo only to implode upon himself. Mm -hmm. So it's 
all up in the air, and that's what makes these not depth players, but these not headline grabbing players such a fun discussion because the second level of yeah, the court. Because you know how important guys like Denzel and Russ and if he's good, Zucker are to this team, you just have to all of a sudden take a contract into account and you see that Russ is making three five. Mm-hmm. And you know he's worth more than that, but you also know Crosby's at eight seven, and you know pretty much Malkin's the only player that's gonna end up really making more than him, more than him unless things yeah. uh, completely change. Because I also also I also always think to Colorado where McKinnon's on what six something, something like <laughs> that, yeah. And then there's but then McCars signed a huge deal, which is probably more than that. I should have pulled it up. McCarr's making, I think, seven or eight million dollars. I, I, I'm Nine. sorry, I can't. There's so many. Yeah, there's been so many contracts that have been signed. I can't remember who has what. But I mean, you mentioned Rust possibly making more than Jake Gensel. I think if you go higher than Gensel, if you go to six point five, if you go to seven million dollars, Ron Hextall really needs to push for. Okay, this is going to be a two year or less deal. Or, okay, you don't get a no movement clause or a no trade clause. If you want that much money, we need to have flexibility here. And that's obviously what negotiating is all about. But if he makes that much money, we're at a point right now where the Penguins might be getting close to a time to break down the entire thing and rebuild it back up. We're getting there, but... And and they're never going to do that without Crosby. But Brian Rust is one of those pieces. Brian Rust, Brian Dublin are those pieces that are saying... If we're gonna sell the sell the farm and try to restart fresh, those are guys that are probably gonna bring back the best assets and kind of push this rebuild to a good starting point. So I think that's what's argued here for Ron Hextall. But I think it's it, it, the very base conversation of is he getting a pay raise or a pay cut? It's obvious a pay raise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also yeah. if you, I. I did pull up Colorado's thing. McKenna's making 6.3. He's the third highest paid Jeez. forward on that team and arguably the third best forward in the damn league. Uh, I would say, yeah, you said arguably. I would say second. Yeah. He, I would say he's right behind McKenna. He's argu- I just kind of threw a number out. <laughs> well, because I said yeah. third and third. He's also still only 25. Man, I hate this. I hate this league. <laughs> um, God, and he's up in two years. That kid's going to make a gazillion dollars on his next contract on his next contract yeah. but the fact that that's gonna reset the market oh yeah and hopefully by then there's like a market to actually utilize <laughs> yeah exactly but that could be fun and and again it's it's weird to compare things like that but mckinnon's making six three gensel's only making six and we're discussing rust is making six those are t- yeah. that's those are three le- different levels of player all probably about to make the same amount of money just yeah, Joe Sackick, just be happy with what you have in your lap right now. I know Avalanche fans like Polly Cupcakes are probably looking at this like, yeah, no, we're going to enjoy it for these two years because it, it's going to sting in a couple more. Oh, uh, well, they, here's the thing, though. If you're able to just have a good discussion with him, they have $2 million in space right now. Figure that yeah, out. Yeah, well, well, we'll see what happens two years down the road. Let's move over to the year year portion because we, we are kind of dragging on here about the uh, the pay raise or pay cut on it's these contracts. because picking the years is the which, hard part. I'm just going to guess. Yeah. yeah, and now here's also the thing. If these contracts come out before this episode drops, I might have to jump out the window. <laughs> but let's go over to the years. 
Uh, Malkin, two and a half years, over or under? Two and a half. You did a betting. You did it sports I did betting style. Times. I don't understand. Okay. Yes. Uh, two and a half. I bet it is under two and a half. So two. I think two is a good. I don't know why. You think it's going to be a two year? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I see the same thing because he is going to be 36 years old. If you sign him over two and a half years, you're pushing the 40 year mark on a guy that is having several health issues right now, getting injured pretty frequently, has had injury history throughout his entire career. And that's another thing when you compare his contract to what a Vetchkin's contract is going to be. Alex Vetchkin has practically never been injured. So you're pretty confident that his body's not going to deteriorate as much as you are with Evgeny Malkin's, even though he is a secondary Russian machine, the Russian bear in Evgeny Malkin. I still think I agree. It's under two and a half years. Uh, same line for Chris Letang, two and a half years, over, under. Um, Probably under, just because... Mm. I hate saying it, but of the big three, he's kind of the the, the smallest one. I'm trying to think of, like, big threes. and He's the Chris Bosh, basically. He's the one that, although Chris Bosh lasted the longest. Um, he's the Chris Bosh in this situation where he's the one that, if you have to get rid of one, he's the one, right? It's mm-hmm. he's the Kevin Love of the Cavaliers. I want. Yeah, it's he's the one that. Even though Kevin Love is still the still there. <laughs> Bad examples. Uh, I'm trying to think of like popular <laughs> ones, but like, he's the Ringo. He's the Ringo. He's the one that if you have to get rid of one, he's the one going. And it's mm-hmm. you don't want to, but if you, if you know push comes to shove, he's the one out. So I'd say two is two years as well, despite the fact that he is younger, but not by much. Uh, but also because he's going to have the sharper decline. Yeah, I was about to say gun to your head, but I don't think John Lennon would appreciate oh, that. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Chris Letang goes under two and a half years. I-, I think him and Malkin are both probably signed to two-year deals, which means we're going to have this conversation in two more years. But, yeah, I, I think that's probably around what you're going to do because once he gets to the age of 36, who knows how much longer he's going to want to play. And also... You don't know what the Penguins look like in two years, and you're not sure exactly what Chris Letang wants to be doing with his career. I mean, the the guy can still play 25 minutes a game. He showed last year that he can clearly be the guy still for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I'm not exactly sure at this point in time. I think if he signs it before this season, it's going to be over. But I think if you let it go to next year, after his contract year, I think it's under. Okay. It's a, it's a weird thing because I'm not – it, you can't really pinpoint. That's a tough one with Chris Letang because, yeah, he's had health issues, but he's such a freak of nature when it comes to personal health. You you just don't know. And then there's also the factor of how he plays the game. So it's like you have this amazing stamina and amazing health. You've faced some issues, but you still have this great health, but you still play a game that really pushes that to the limit. So it's Really hard to determine for Chris Letang. I say if it's signed like Hextall says he wants to do before this season, I think it's over. If he signs after this season, I think it's under two and a half years. I like that too. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Let's finish this off with Brian Rust. I changed it up a little bit. Does Brian Rust sign for over or under three and a half years on his next contract? I think over because he can demand that. I get he's yeah. going to be 30 whenever it kicks in, but he can demand the over on that. I was Mm -hmm. thinking about it and was thinking contracts get different and they change a little when you hit 35. He's going to be 30 starting this. I'm thinking if he signs a five-year deal, 
Then he can go into his following one as the veteran, like a veteran in the league, probably at that point, um, with a different style of play. Yeah. You accept that. So I would say over the three and a half just because I think a four or five year deal makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, four by six for Brian Rust. Something tells me that that's along the lines of what we're going to be seeing. Yeah. So I, I think I agree with over three and a half years. So, I mean, we did what? The under for Malkin. I kind of went back and forth on Latang. You also said under for Latang, correct? Yeah. And then we both said over for Brian Russell. We are pretty much in agreement. I mean, regardless, these deals might be signed by the start of the next season. They might not be signed. For what? If you had to pick, which players do you think need to be signed by the start of this season? Uh, Brian Russ, because he's going to be the hardest when it comes to money. Yep. Yep. I think Brian Rust, you work your tail off to get his contract extension signed. Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, I think you look at them and you say, listen, guys, it's nothing personal. Let's see how you play. Mm-hmm. Brian Rust, what you have now is is a pretty solid indicator of what you're going to have for the next two and a half, three years. Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, various health issues. It's like, guys, we don't know what we're going to get. We appreciate you. That will be our number one priority next offseason. But as of right now, that's not our priority. We're trying to put a cup winner on the, on the ice, and, and your deals for this year are done. It's also that Ovechkin effect. How many other GMs yeah. are actually going to call until it is straight up said we're not resigning them? Yeah, honestly, I'm sure they'd all call, but how many are there actually going to be serious discussions with? Yeah, exactly. It's like it would have been funny and interesting to see Seattle take Ovechkin in the expansion draft, but we know he wasn't going <laughs> to sign there. It would have just been a. Yeah. A, a waste of a pick, even though they ended up wasting the... I was about to say, they basically <laughs> did it with Vanacek. Even though they but... wasted the Washington pick anyway. But it, at least you know they had more of a chance to sign Vanacek or sign whatever they decide, whatever that situation was. It was. It seemed like it was insurance in case they couldn't go out and get Philip Grubauer or somebody else in free agency. Regardless, that it's you, it, you knew that there was more of a chance of Vanacek over Ovechkin. But I think that's something that can also hold... Uh, Latang and Malkin here is that not too many teams are going to be calling for the 35 and 36 year old beat up players that the Penguins have that you know everyone likes to count out anyway yeah and they're cornerstones here there's not going to be too many calls right until it is straight up said we're not resigning them yeah it would be a shame to see either of them in a different uniform especially Evgeny Malkin but at the same time it's like we're going to work with that when we get across, get to that bridge. We have so much more that we need to worry about, especially if you want to push for a fourth Stanley Cup in this era because that's not going to be an easy thing to do and you're running out of time. And it's like, do we really want to talk about this thing that can be talked about in a year when realistically, even if they have bad seasons, they're going to make a decent amount of money on their next contract with the Penguins because they have that legacy. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have our shout-outs and call-outs to finish out the week. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN. When you visit DraftKings for great opportunities and great odds 
If you listen to the beginning of the show, which I would hope you listen to the ad at the beginning of the show, there's a great opportunity right now. So go check that out with the NFL season right around the corner. Definitely a great opportunity there. But let's get to our shout outs and call outs, Horwat. Let's start with, you know what? We haven't done it in a while. So let's start with call outs. What is your call out? Okay, so my call out, I have kind of a question about it. Okay. Is TJ Watt currently under contract for this upcoming for this upcoming season? Yes. And he should be practicing. I don't care about that. It's the NFL. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. Could you imagine if Malkin and Latang, because we're just having this conversation, or Brian Rust were holding out of a practice because they didn't have a contract for, oh yeah, the next season? That's mm-hmm. bullshit. <laughs> that is utter <laughs> horseshit. I was thinking about this oh for a couple God. hours, actually, today, earlier. Yeah. Because it's been the biggest discussion in, in Steelers media right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you mean to tell me that a player that is currently under contract for the year 2021 is not playing in the year 2021 or not practicing because he doesn't have a contract for 2022? Yeah. Any other sport... Any other sport, any other team, any other player, they everyone's calling for that player's head. Because, mm-hmm. again, like I said, imagine if Malkin just decided to sit out this upcoming uh, training camp because he didn't have a contract for 2022. That makes no sense. You're currently under a deal. It just doesn't. You're, yeah. it, you're getting paid to do nothing. Yeah, I, I understand. $10 million, no less. It's the biggest money you've ever made to do nothing. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a difference. Obviously, there's a difference in sport. You won't see that in hockey very right. often. Uh, I, we have seen holdouts, but they're mainly because they're currently not you're under currently an RFA yeah. or UFA or something like that. But the holdout with TJ Watt, it's a little bit different, especially from Malkin and Latang. It would be yeah. because those guys, Malkin and Latang, have made their money. TJ Watt was pretty serious contender for Defensive Player of the Year last right. year. So I understand. Why, hey, you haven't made your big money deal. In fact, as of right now, the contract that he's getting paid on right now is getting, he's getting paid less than Derek. The fullback for the Pittsburgh. He's getting paid less for his current contract, if I if I remember correctly. He's asking for, I believe, something that's going to be a much bigger contract, probably one of the biggest contracts when it comes to defense. I'm not, I don't really pay attention to, to NFL contracts, but the reason that I see what he's doing, and I'm like, yeah, cool. Hold out, get your money. Look at what happened to Bud Dupree last year on a contract right. year. Yeah, he still got paid some pretty good money, but he lost a lot of money when he tore his ACL last season because he didn't negotiate that contract, because he was playing on the franchise tag and not locked up and not getting that guaranteed money, which in the NFL, guaranteed money versus not guaranteed money is a big discussion that I still, you know, I don't get into that because that's not my, that's not my, it's not my thing. But I can see, I understand where TJ Watt is coming from. You don't want to risk injury playing on the last year of a contract when you have such a big contract. The dude could be the defensive player of the year this year. He could set the market for defensive ends. I understand trying to get that deal done before going into the season, especially when, from all intents and purposes, he wants to play in Pittsburgh. He wants to get the deal done. He doesn't want to go somewhere else. He doesn't want to be doing what Bud Dupree did and going to the Tennessee Titans. He wants to play in Pittsburgh. He wants to play with Derek in Pittsburgh now that Derek is locked up for a couple of seasons. So, yeah, I, I see it. I get it, especially because the NFL preseason, I understand that you need to be practicing, but the first couple 
weeks of the NFL preseason mean absolutely nothing. No, yeah, I'm not saying anything about um, playing in the preseason games or the uh, or the Hall of Fame game, which, yeah, I know I mentioned that that was going to be my call-out this week, but uh, I wanted to get more a clear head on this because I didn't understand it. Uh, yeah. Just, he's currently made, so he signed the four-year rookie contract. Rookie deal. Worth. 9.25 a lot of numbers but and then and I also get NFL contracts are a bit different and more complex and harder to understand than hockey contracts because yeah he's currently on that fifth year option which by the way pays him 10 million dollars this year oh this yeah. year okay he's making 10 million dollars this year that's why I was like the Derek Watt thing made no sense for a second but I yeah no there was something like that Last year, uh, I'm just going off yeah. of very deep. He memory. was making two, three, one, four last year. That's yeah. what it was. Last year, he was making less money mm-hmm. than Derek Watt. But this year, he's gonna make ten million dollars. Okay, and that's yeah. like third highest on the team right now. I think it's very interesting at the fact that he's gonna be making a ton of a boatload of money, regardless of what happens with next season. And he's deciding not to practice this season now. Is this does this hold in? I think is what they've been calling it. Does that? Can, what do we say if he doesn't play at the at, during the first game, first regular season game? What then? What do we say? Because he's again, he's under a contract for this year. If he doesn't play it, if he's signed and he's not ready to play it, or if he's not signed by the time the first game rolls around. If he is, if he has not signed his twenty twenty two contract and he decides to not play in the first game of twenty twenty one, where he has a contract for. What do we say then? I think at that point is breaching on uh, breach of contract area. I'm not sure how that would be argued by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think it'll get to that point. I really, no, I, I really I don't. I genuinely don't think but so either. It's just if it gets to that point, yeah, I think that's when you start to vilify guys like T.J. Watt for doing that. Because I, I remember they mentioned that the same thing happened with, with I believe it was Paul Amalu back in the day, where he was holding out during the preseason to get a contract. He signed the contract like two days before the regular season started and attempted to play in the first game and wasn't great obviously because he hadn't been practicing with the team but at the same time you, you see where it goes oh yeah absolutely but if you I, I just don't i don't get it all i know is you're under contract for this year you should act as it i guess mm-hmm. because again these are things that if a hockey player did it there would be legitimate discussions of cutting him from the team yeah, that's just difference in sport, man. There's so much when you look at contract situations between sports. It's crazy how different those conversations this go. Year, this year he's going to have the fourth highest cap hit on the team, by the way, Jeez. regardless of if he gets a contract for next year. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't, he's clearly one of the best. I don't want to see him go anywhere else. I, he's No, I just bought a TJ Watt yeah. jersey. I definitely don't want to see him go yeah, anywhere. And I understand <laughs> that it will happen. It's just... The way that I a, didn't know what the hell was really going on anyway. Yeah. It's creating a lot of nonsense that doesn't need to be surrounded by this team who, in the same week, um, we will discuss my shout-outs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just found out that this entire segment is about the Steelers. So if you wanted hockey talk, you could probably yeah, tune out. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is all going to be about the Steelers because my call-out goes – to Mike Tomlin, oh, because it is week two of the NFL preseason, and Presley Harvin III is not number one on the punter's depth chart. 
I've never seen a punter make such an impact in a preseason game. First of all, he was our seventh round pick this year. Hell yeah. We, we used a draft pick on a punter. And he stuck it at the one yard line at one point. He's been booming the ball. Great airtime. And, I mean, the point is, Jordan Berry is not that good. If Jordan Berry was a good, serviceable punter, I mean, the guy is an NFL punter. That's fine. But, man, if Presley Harvin does not make this team, that city might burn. Remember when Jordan Berry wasn't the punt, wasn't the starting punter to start last season? We, we brought yeah. in, like, some veteran whose family is all punters. Um, what, what the hell? <laughs> I, I'm with you on this. Yeah. It's... Yeah, we, we tried a different direction because Jordan Berry had been so bad in the year prior, and then the replacement was even worse, and Jordan Berry came in and was actually pretty decent last year. I mean, at points, he was a pretty good punter, and at points, they needed it towards the end of the season whenever the offense did nothing. But listen, this guy, I don't know how, but he has become the most beloved Pittsburgh Steeler of the preseason. Uh, because he's not your average... And he doesn't even have a TikTok. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that a boy. Because uh, he's not your average... Uh, yeah, not your average body build for a punter. He's a friggin' unit. That's what he is. <laughs> he is. And goes out there and punts balls a mile. It's, it's different. It's fun. That's what it is. It is fun. In a mm-hmm. already... I don't know how to put it. It's a fun sport, but it got... Is it boring sometimes and just... Blech. You're just so used to hockey where it's nonstop action. You're like, yeah, no, we, we got 35 seconds between plays where people just get into a huddle. Or... around. Yeah. I love it. But, again, I understand I understand where you're coming from. It is a step back when it comes to entertainment value than the NHL, at least yeah, in my for opinion. For a casual fan, you want to see the fun, and he is the fun. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's – he also – has he been out playing him? I know we only had one game, and – He's the only. He was the only punter that punted in, in the first game. We haven't seen Jordan Berry punt in a, in game action oh, yet. Word. So we'll okay. see. We'll see on Thursday night against Philly. If if Jordan Berry gets any punts or if it's all PH three. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's move over to shoutouts because again, they're also for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Horat, what's your shoutout? It is. I uh, why why did I close my phone? It is. I'm going to shoutouts uh, singularly. Troy Polamalu singularly Alan Fanica and singularly Bill Cower for all making the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Also a small one to Peyton Manning for being my favorite football player growing up. Thank you. Had to get that in there. And no, I mean, when you, yeah, we talk hockey here all the time. I'm sure the both of us were huge Steeler fans as little, little tykes. And I'm still a huge well, Steeler yeah, fan. You, yeah. But <laughs> those three were our childhood. My first football game. I don't exactly remember who it was against. Oh, you know what? I think it was the Washington football team. You know, before they were the football team. But yes. I can remember on my ticket was Alan Fanica. <laughs> <laughs> you that, so, that. And I don't know where that ticket is. Probably it's in, the, in like a dumpster somewhere. Um, but a long time ago, Alan Fanica was... You know, that's not your average position to, you know, enjoy watching. But Alan Fanica was one of the best at his position. Troy Polamalu, obviously, go, his you know back stuff goes without saying. His backlog of play and skill and athleticism, he's one of the best of all time. And then Bill Cower, very well deserving of a um, gold jacket because one of 
it's still so nutty that the Steelers only had three coaches in 50 years, and he's one of them. Pulling in mm-hmm. a Super Bowl along the way, and it's just great stuff. I think it's all good for all three of them for getting what they deserved, and also the other small one. Donnie Shell got in. And Bill and Nunn. Bill Nunn, yeah. So shout out to all of them, because while those last two aren't so much our childhood, still just you know Pittsburgh Steelers legends, and... They're more our parents' childhood in the steel curtain. At least uh, Donnie Shell was. Yeah, whereas Bill Nunn invented analytics, basically. Yeah, basically for football, that's yeah. what he... Yeah. Uh, clearly, my shout-out also goes to, to those five gentlemen there. Pittsburgh Steelers all getting inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this past weekend in Canton. And it was a great scene seeing all the terrible towels. Obviously, that's a very easy drive from Pittsburgh to Canton. I drove from Johnstown to Canton, and it was a couple of years ago. I think it was four years ago, and it was still a very easy drive to get over there. So you expected a full house of Steeler Nation. Obviously, all their speeches were amazing. Troy and Bill Cowers were. I was very, very happy watching those speeches. I was, I was very, very happy watching them. That was a long night to get to that point. I didn't know the speeches would have been four hours long, but uh, definitely great speeches. Troy Polamalu's bust absolutely outstanding job on his hair i I was kind of worried to see how that was gonna go looked really good and of course his little shoulder shrug whenever he turned it around cutest thing ever he is the most like genuine human being i think i've ever seen (laughs) and then his uh his speech was great and the one line that obviously got everybody and the one line that got me i'll read it off here he said the only approval any stealer should seek is to earn the approval from previous legends who have donned the black and gold and if you've really earned their respect, they'll say, you could have played with us. And at that moment, to Franco the Harris. camera pan to <laughs> Franco Harris, definitely nodding his head. So absolutely amazing speech. That was an absolutely amazing moment and between him. And on Thursday during the game, Bill Cowher saying he left one Iron City beer for Mike Tomlin. That was what he left in, in, in the coach's office. One, that beer is skunked, if it's still there. And two... Just absolute Pittsburghisms all over, Yinzerisms all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you I, I do want to bring Peyton Manning back into this conversation for a minute because you mentioned uh, Troy turning his bust around to see the hair. How about when uh, Peyton and Archie pulled the cover off of off of Manning's bust, Peyton's bust, and Archie immediately sizes up the forehead with his hand? <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing ever. And also, is Peyton Manning not the most charismatic athlete of all time? He's not. I know who is because he he is that he is speech great. was incredible. He has a lot of charisma. Yeah, he he's pretty incredible. I wouldn't say the most charismatic athlete of all time. I mean, you get in you get into that, and you look at you know Deion Sanders, T.O., Chad Ochocinco. They got they got some charisma. He might be the most charismatic stiff white man <laughs> in all of sports history. But I mean, I I love Peyton Manning. I, I think he has a great he's had the a great personality. Honestly, for what it's worth. Tom Brady in his later years has shown he has a pretty great personality too. Tom Brady, uh, maybe not to the level of Peyton Manning, but when it comes to the most charismatic athletes of all time, especially if you just look strictly at football, no, I- I'm looking, I'm looking at Dion, I'm looking at To, I'm looking at Ocho Cinco. I mean, people might not like their, I guess, what can you call it? Just I think we don't think of big-headedness, yeah, but we, you know, charisma definitely. We don't there. think of To and Chad in that sense because they don't do as much anymore. I think their charisma more came out during their career, whereas Peyton, 
um, is still doing commercials, is still doing a ton of media stuff. Him and his brother are about to have a show, and Eli is stiff as a board. Um, <laughs> but also, I, I just want to say Peyton has the Peyton Manning has the best athlete as hosted SNL. So leave it at that because every other athlete yeah. they've had on there sucked, and that includes Wayne Gretzky. Uh, but no, Peyton's speech was fun. Watching Tom Brady like turn around to the crowd when he was getting booed was hysterical. And <laughs> yeah, fun night for football and for Pittsburgh Steelers especially because um, did anyone else see Casey Hampton looking like a skinny man almost? Yeah, Casey Hampton's looking good. We'll talk about more childhood favorites. I saw Casey Hampton walking, getting into his car one time in his neighborhood. <laughs> the that man is a unit, and he had to drive a tank. Yeah. Because it was during his career. I mean, seeing all those guys over the weekend in Canton, just so many good flashbacks. I mean, James Harrison, obviously. Uh, who else was there that I saw? Uh, Brett Kiesel without, you know, the long beard and, and the long hair. It, you, every time I see that, it's still weird. But, no, it was a great weekend for, for Steelers football. It was a great weekend for football altogether, and hence the reason that it was literally our entire segment here. But yeah, plus <laughs> what, unless you have anything we are else, also just Pittsburghers, and it's just bound to happen. Uh, yeah, that's true. Especially once Stellar season comes around. Yeah, but Steelers season lines up with Penguin season, so it's a little harder to do that. Yeah, luckily there's only one game a week, and they're usually not at the same time because the NHL is smart and doesn't try to go head to head with the NA- the NFL. Yep. But that's all I got for today too, and hopefully. Uh... Hopefully some Pirates can get into the Hall of Fame someday. Have some more fun conversations. Hey, Brian Reynolds is playing really well. He's not Hall of Fame level, but he might be Gold Glove level this year. Put Barry Bonds in. There you go. That's how we're ending it. You know what? I really want Andrew McCutcheon to get a World Series by the time he's done. Yeah, that that's just... I've been thinking about that lately, about how much I'd love to see that man win a World Series. But... I think we're just blabbing about Pittsburgh sports right now. So let's just call it a day. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you guys for tuning into the tip of the iceberg. We hope you enjoyed it. Another real quick shout out to Mike Lang. Congratulations on his career. When it comes to Ron Hextall, make sure you get those contracts signed and make sure you get those contracts well. But that is it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. See you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.